two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Hey, welcome to this episode of the Adler.tv show where there's a new episode and a new guest every Thursday. Quick note, I decided to go to a Metallica concert last night and I had work at five o'clock this morning. So my neck hurts, my throat is thrashed and my ears are still ringing and my brain feels like a raisin. Remember last episode when I said I needed to make good choices? This is an example of what I was talking about. And speaking of concerts, this episode is all about sound. So I'm here at a place that puts on a concert for thousands of people every Sunday. That's right, I'm at a church. This is Church of the Highlands. They have 40,000 people or so all the way all across the state of Alabama that check them out every single Sunday. And sound is a very important part of that. So I'm going to be meeting with their engineer. Today's episode features a guy who has a similar upbringing to mine in the fact that uh, he was surrounded by music pretty much his whole life growing up, but we were kind of surrounded by music in different ways. His dad owned a music store growing up, and my dad was a music minister in church, but when music is part of your daily life, you grow up a little bit different. You hear things a little bit differently. You think about music and sound and movies and microphones and speakers and riding in a car or watching a video on your computer. You think about it differently. Uh, and really the main reason I've actually invited this guy to be on the show is just, I just want more dirty details about Prince. So welcome Bert Trotman. Hello, um, podcast world, and thank you, Mr. Adler, for having me on your show. Bert's dad owns and operates Fretted Instruments in Birmingham, Alabama. And since 1972, Fretted Instruments has been one of, if not the best, guitar, ukulele, banjo, and amplifier stores in the country. And they're not paying me to say that. In fact, no one is paying me to say anything on this podcast. And if that ever changes, you will be the first to know. Uh, I mentioned Prince because... This was, I forget how many years ago, obviously before the great one passed. Um, I'm just like scrolling through social media on my phone and I look and I see a post from you and it's just like a cool looking room like this one. By the way, the room that we're in right now is the auditorium at Highlands Church uh, where Bert does sound and among many, many other things. Yeah. Uh, we're at the River Chase campus, one of a few campuses they have here in Birmingham and across the state of Alabama. Um, and it, this is a phenomenal room. Speaking That's of cool rooms, cool. Yeah. I'm so I'm scrolling through my social media and I see a picture of a cool room like this. Cool lights. You got a stage. You got speakers. You got all that, all that stuff. And then I see that behind the stage, the big backdrop is. Prince's symbol, the symbol of Prince. I'm just like, oh, that's weird. A Prince cover band, you know, something like that. But no, you were at Prince's compound or yeah, right? Paisley Park. Paisley Park. Yeah. Is, yeah, that's right. Okay. So you're at Paisley Park behind the soundboard and I'm just like, okay, Bert's just running sound for Prince now. I guess that's what's going on. I'm sitting in my underwear on my couch. Don't feel too great about that, but that's fine. But dude, okay, so how did that how did that happen? Like how did that come about? Yeah, so um I basically got a a uh text from his manager at the time earlier that week saying, Hey, we're doing a live uh Yahoo shoot um at Paisley Park and need you to be um on site, you know, the audio guy on site. And um this manager I'd worked before with like Lisa Marie Presley and CeeLo Green. But yeah, so he just hit me up and said, need you up here. 
So to give uh, people some background on you and all that kind of stuff, I'm the kind of person that just kind of like tinkered with cords and adapters and bubble gum and tape and paper clips. <laughs> and that's how I like have done sound my entire life. You know, that, that's kind of how I've done it. You went to Full Sail, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And that's, for people that don't know, that is one of the premier schools in the country for video production, sound production. Is it mostly sound? They do sound, uh, film, game design, show production. It takes two years, right? Mm -hmm. Are you in and yep. out in two yep. years? Mm -hmm. But it's like an insane schedule where you're like, you're not in, you know, you're not taking 18, 15 to 18 class hours right. yeah. a week, kind of like in normal college. It's more of like a more than a full-time job kind of thing exactly which is cool man like i even 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 in film i've not been uh you know professionally trained in any way to produce video content at all i've just now luckily now there's so much on the internet but when you and i were coming up like you didn't have a million people on YouTube that do camera reviews and camera lens reviews is reviews as soon as the thing comes out. You know, like mm -hmm. that's how I get a lot of my information. That's how I've educated myself, finding people that know what they're talking about and know what they're doing and just keep in track with them and watch every video they have on YouTube. But none of that was around. Like I think YouTube was really just like the lightsaber kid with the broom or whatever. Like that's the only stuff that was on YouTube at the time. So it was a different world and having that leg up, uh, going through the official kind of coursework, you know, and, and learning all the things that you really need to learn in order to be a professional, you know, right out of the gate, right. you know, that kind of thing. Um, that I, I think was a great move, man. Like I'm still trying to figure out how to do this whole thing. So, um, I could have been shooting the video for Prince that same day if I had just gotten my act together, I think a little bit, but it's a cool thing, man. So th that, uh, that technical training, obviously. And then once you get that, that kind of is like, all right, here's kind of the, the floor level. We, gr we showed you the ground floor. Now you need to take this information and then continue to evolve. Like all of this changes so quickly. If you stop paying attention and stop caring and stop working, whether you're in video production or sound or whatever, you're going to be behind pretty mm -hmm. soon. Yeah. So, uh, that's, that's a tough part of working in tech, but, um, you it's a cool stop, thing to yeah. never stop learning. Yeah, totally, yeah. man. Continual process. Uh, first let's, let's talk about the, the, the sound guys mm -hmm. there. Cause there's a lot of times two worlds. There's monitor world, yep. and then you've got what is called front of house. Yep. And monitor world, that's what the people in the band hear. That's what, you know, when Taylor Swift is running across stage, she's not hearing what you're hearing coming out of the speakers, everybody. Bert's like, yeah, I, I know, man. I know Taylor Swift doesn't have the same mix in her ears. So what they hear, a lot of times it may be, it may be even lyrical cues. Uh, it may be directions to go on stage. And then you've obviously got, you know, the, the music. And you've got, it's, it's a personalized mix for every single person. Even at the church that I do drums for now, every little person has a little box and they can go piano, turn it up you know, bass guitar, turn it down or whatever the case may be. So that's, that's amazing. Like people need to know that what you're hearing in the room is not necessarily what people are hearing in their ears. And uh, a lot of times there's a click going, we'll talk about click later and stuff like that. But have you spent more time doing monitor world or have you spent more time in front of house <clears throat> and front of house is the guy that makes it sound like it sounds in the room. Mm -hmm. Is that yeah, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll say it's probably about an equal combination. And that's one of the things where the 
the Prince experience was really unique and like growing uh, for me. I mean, so they came when I came in. Um, Prince likes everything to be at one point. He wants one guy to do everything. He doesn't want a monitor mixer and everything like that. So he's got this analog board. It's nothing fancy. He wanted to be all analog, no digital. And um, so we did the live mix and the ear mix and the feed for the Yahoo live stream all from this one little analog mixer. Um, so that was definitely a unique experience. So you were kind of always ahead of the ball. You really were when it came to musical music production. We were doing a concert. This was like uh, like my junior year of high school. We're doing a concert, and I just rented a very, very terrible PA from a place here in town and set it up, set up the speakers, and we were going to have you know two speakers for the, the vocals, and then everybody else is going to just play through their guitar amps, and then we'll just listen to the drums. You know, like, it was, it was as simple as you possibly could get. We might as well just have, like, the lead singer with a bullhorn, you know? <laughs> and then you rolled up, and you were like, hey, where do you guys want the monitors? And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa monitors you're like yeah you know monitors it's the speaker that goes on stage that points at the people on the stage so they can actually hear what they're doing and i'm like i know what monitors are i've just never had monitors so this is going to be the best concert i've ever done and ever been a part of so talk about the difference just like real quick primer on the difference between digital and analog. I know that that's that can be you know anything. Like there, there's the, the digital transition has occurred, and pretty much everything's digital now, mm -hmm. unless you want to be cool and go for that analog <laughs> sound and kind of go back in time. Yeah, it's like recording or it's like listening to a record in a lot of ways. Yeah, but like if you have a digital board versus an analog board, how is that different? Yeah. So the digital age started, you know, obviously when like CDs came out, everything before that with cassettes and vinyl, you know, that was all analog. The analog boards usually sound better. They're just not, um, it's kind of like listen to a vinyl, you know, a lot of people think it sounds better. It's more warm and like smooth sounding, whereas sometimes the digital can be a little edgy and bitey, but it's, they've really come a long way in the past, you know, 10 years and it's, are sounding a lot better. And with digital, you're turning sound into ones and zeros. Exactly. And with analog, that's not occurring. Mm -hmm. You're running through metal. You're running through copper mostly. Yeah. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Um, so, and people, different people will take that to different extremes. Meaning like, and you started saying some words like edgy and bitey and stuff like that. There's a whole there's a whole plethora of words that are used in this industry to describe what a lot of people can't even hear the difference of. Mm -hmm. uh, a sound guy is going to hear sound coming at him like a prism splits apart light. I would say like you're listening to all elements of it. Um, so like everybody has seen the picture where white light hits a prism, a little reflective piece of mirror glass or whatever. And out of that prism, the, the light has been broken into its pieces. You got red, green, blue, all those different colors. And it was all in that white light and we couldn't see it. And so the prism broke it up, but a sound man is going to be listening to, uh, whatever he's listening to in that way, breaking it apart, piecing it together. And I think the prism 
analogy works well because you are taking what we view as one wave coming at us and really piecing it together. Mm-hmm. Like you've got the the base way down below and then you've got, like you said, edgy and bitey. That's more like, would, would tinny be a mm-hmm. word that means kind of the yeah. same? Mm-hmm. So tinny is kind of when, when, when songs, and in fact, I'm going to do something right now in post, meaning later. This is what it sounds like when... Something is way too tinny. See, before my voice was kind of full and nice and had some low boom to it, but now it's just, I've taken all the low end out and now it's just tinny and I sound like an even tinier man than I am. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. Yeah, don't, uh-huh. don't you? Yeah. All right, now I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to take out all the highs. You got highs and lows. and So we're going to take out all the highs and now it's just me talking in this weird, you no longer hear the consonants. You no longer hear the Peter Piper picked a tickling Tommy. You know, you don't hear any of my, I shouldn't have said tickling Tommy. That's a very strange thing to say. But you can't hear all those consonants, and those are very important for understanding language. Uh, and without those in it, it's, it's a big problem. We're getting kind of complicated when talking about the mix and stuff like that. So let's talk about just the different kinds of speakers. So you've got a subwoofer. That's going to give you all your lows. Um, You know, the things that are going to rattle your car. And uh, usually you can feel that kind of in your chest and your stomach when you're at a concert. Um, Then there's mid-range and uh, high-range speakers. You've also got, you know, if you've gone to a concert and you've seen the line arrays that are hung, um, those kind of all couple together and make a really good long throw speaker. Whereas like the point source, which are going to be more like horizontally displayed, may not shoot as far, but they cover more area. So the line array, are those also called like a J cluster or something like that? Or by the way... In previous episodes, I've just butchered a lot of uh, words that have to do with jujitsu, and then I've butchered a ton of words that have to do with cooking. Now I'm going to butcher a lot of terms that have to do with audio and sound, but hopefully we can learn a little bit in the process. Sure. But I don't know, a J cluster or something like that, but it, it's kind of shaped like a J, I yeah, guess. Yeah. I don't know, but people don't say that. Um, not typically. You can no, you no. can be honest. You can just say no. It's okay. No one's ever said that before. <laughs> so it looks like a J, but it's kind of this big wavy thing we've all seen them and we've all kind of like looked up and said oh man i hope somebody rigged that up correctly because i'm right below it um in fact we've seen a few that i'm reminded of the i I think it was little big town or uh one of those kind of acts that had Mm. that that country uh the state fair the whole stage went to the ground Mm -hmm. you probably saw that as a sound guy you're probably looking at it picking it apart and seeing all right who who messed up here you know it's unbelievably scary you got you got you got you got trucks and trucks of equipment up in the air and with those gale force winds man like the, those it's those backdrops a lot mm-hmm. of times with the big the big vinyl backdrops they catch some wind and and down it goes man like as a concert goer and a concert photographer i'm a lot of times right in that front little pit area so i was i watched that video probably you know 10 or 12 times just to see what happened what kind of time people had to get out of the way and just Man, it was horrific. And you know everybody that's involved is just eaten up just because of what happened. Because it was it's concerts, it's so crazy. Like concerts are fun zone. I don't care about anything 
that's a place for a lot of people. Yeah. Concerts are a place where people can go and have fun, not worry about anything for most people. Whereas you, you're thinking about all that stuff. You're thinking about the sound. You're thinking about the safety. You're thinking about protecting your equipment and protecting yourself and, and representing your artists well and all kinds of stuff. So it's, it's a crazy thing to work in a fun zone like that. And you have to be so deadly serious. Mm. And if everybody has a great time, then you did it right. You yeah. know, a lot on you, man. Exactly. So when you hear that boom, boom, boom at a, at a concert, a lot of times that's coming from the speakers are kind of down on the floor. And low sounds, bass sounds, do they, they kind of emanate or, you know, kind of disperse in a almost a circle, circular yeah, pattern? That would be omnidirectional. There you go. Yeah. Okay. And then higher sounds, you can point a speaker that's making a more, a higher kind of those kind mm -hmm. of sounds and th that's going to be much more directional in yep. that you can laser beam focus that mm -hmm. and i guess that's just because you got you know sound waves that look like this and then you got sound waves that look like that yeah people can't see my hand in, on the podcast <laughs> sorry audio only people so yeah so you've got those different those different scenarios um i've been in a pit before and i think the loudest pit i've ever been in it literally like, I think it changed like the rhythm of my heart. Yes. I'm standing next to this <laughs> box that's as big as an SUV. And that's just one of like eight that they have in the front. And it was, uh, what's his name? Diplo, the mm. DJ. And then uh, Skrillex, the DJ, when they were doing this joint venture, I forgot what it was called, but they were both like the hottest DJs of the time. So it was like, both of these guys playing music, this is awesome, this is crazy. Kids were going nuts, but the, the I mean, it, it was unbelievable, the level of bass. And I was like, I got to get out of this pit right now because I don't think this is good for my health. <laughs> like, this is like hurting me on the inside. I got to get out of here, man. But... Uh, that was definitely probably the loudest sub experience I've had, but it's, it can, it can get real loud real easily. And especially if somebody that's kind of not quite as good or not, they don't quite know exactly what they should be doing behind, mm -hmm. uh, behind the booth. So, um, that the lows tend to get me, but I'm down in the pit. The highs can be just as piercing too, man. Yeah. A lot of the, a lot of people don't realize that you know, around 30 minutes of exposure to sound over 90 decibels, which is, that's typically quieter than a, quieter than a um, concert, can start to damage your ears. You know, most concerts are 100, 110 dB. And yeah, it can definitely cause some damage if you're not careful. Yeah, I've, I've definitely done some damage, man. I've got tinnitus, you know, <laughs> yeah. like crazy, which is just like ringing in your ears for people that haven't checked into it. But man, if I like sit in a quiet room and focus on it, it's considerably like yeah. loud. Mm -hmm. it, it, is, it is there. And that's just like, what is it, scarring on one of the bones? Well, it's your, um, the hairs, the microscopic hairs that are in your ears have been damaged. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, it's irreparable. Oh, that's so good. I'm just yeah, some, great. Some really encouraging. What? <laughs> it's it's very repairable. Great, good, dude. I've done so many stupid things with my ears. I in college, a few buddies of mine, we were in a metal band together, and we rented a storage unit. 
so it was like an eight by 10 metal box and I had my drums in there and we had several amps in there and a, like a small PA so the guy could scream nice. and it was really loud in there. Like I would just go and practice for hours at a time with nothing on just yeah. drums, you know, yeah. pl- practice drums with nothing on. And I can still hear the, the tin corrugated walls echoing in my brain. <laughs> so that was a mistake. That was stupid. Uh, a buddy of ours had a Marshall half stack oh, nice. just in his room. In his, it was a mutual, <laughs> it's a mutual friend of ours. He had a Marshall half stack just in his room. This, this, this speaker is like probably four or five feet tall and it's loud enough to by itself play Oak Mountain Amphitheater. Like you could really, I mean, you could rock. A, you could rock this room no problem mm-hmm. like no problem and this is probably half a football field size maybe something maybe a little bit smaller but sure. so and, and we played in that small room played that I mean I've I've time and time again made poor choices when it comes to my hearing and I just hope that by the time it's like going going gone maybe when I'm in my 50s or 60s or whatever hopefully science will have come along to do something for me man otherwise I'm just gonna be wearing one of those big old plastic things maybe they'll look at least cool like beats will be making hearing aids by then or something I'd be like yo check out my new beats hearing aids How does a speaker make sound? Like, how? Do, what? What is that? Yeah, you can make a speaker out of anything. I mean, if you uh, there's people like you can look up videos on YouTube of people just making a speaker out of paper. Uh, if you put enough uh, coils around it and make it vibrate, that's really all that sound is: is air pressure moving. So vibrations in the air. If you can get anything to vibrate a certain frequency then it's going to make a sound and become a speaker. But there's obviously things you can do to make it more efficient, which is where you get the cones and the big magnets um, and things like that. Yeah, with subs, a lot of times it looks almost like a shallow bowl, kind of, at least in the older ones yeah. you know, that I'm used to. Yeah. But now they're they're making them crazy, all kinds of crazy shapes. and um, But essentially it is just a... It's just a diaphragm mm-hmm. that's moving back and forth, yeah. kind of moving the air, yeah. and and moving at a certain frequency, mm-hmm. and that's what makes the sound. Yeah. Okay. And that's what moves the uh, the bones in our ears and our eardrum, and that's what our the little hairs in your ears pick up as vibrations, and that transmits to your brain as sounds. And eventually, like, you know, turns into. Hey, little baby, you know, and you, you eventually figure it out, you know? That's all we're doing, guys. That's all we're doing. We're just making random sounds into meaning. Whoa. You're going to look at what people can hear. Like, there's a range. Mm-hmm. There's the, the range that human beings can hear as far as pitch, mm-hmm. low, pitch to high, right? Frequencies. Yeah, the frequencies yeah. that mm-hmm. people can hear. So if you go low to high, what's that range generally speaking? Yeah, so it'd be 20 hertz is the lowest that people can hear and then up to 20,000 is the highest, which I've heard some like proprietary subs that actually go lower than 20 hertz and you can feel them. You know, but you they, just can't hear them. Yeah. So if even though you can't hear them, is that sound still potentially damaging your the hairs in your ears? Well, it could be damaging other things because our you know our brain waves operate in the low lower range, like three to eight hertz or something like that. So it could be possibly affecting your brain waves, 
and affecting uh, some bodily functions well, the, the brown note <laughs> do you know about the brown note do i know about it <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the brown note that is there's like a rumored frequency hertz frequency or whatever mm -hmm. that you can hit that will kind of make you have, have to poop <laughs> scientifically speaking uh, I, I think didn't like Myth, Mythbusters do an episode about that or something like that. Is that something Possibly. that audio engineers like, man, if this pastor goes any longer, I'm going to have to hit a brown note in here. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen. Nobody does that, by the way. I just made that up. I'm the weird person that would only, only the weird person that would think of that. I'm going to use that this Sunday. <laughs> Most people have a very high quality mic and speaker with them all the time. Their phone. It's a highly capable computer that you have in your pocket, so treat it like a tool you can use, not just a distraction or escape or mini TV. So if you want to start a podcast or YouTube channel or photography or videography or write a book or draw or make music or whatever, I just want to remind you that you have a very capable computer in your pocket. Let's talk about iPhones. The speaker in this thing, mm -hmm. it, every year it gets better and better and better, and I'm amazed by it. Um, is it your stereotypical speaker setup? Do you know about microphone or the speakers in, in, in phones? Yeah. It, it's usually a mono setup, so it's not a stereo. Although the newer iPhones, I think they are stereo. That's right. But um, it's usually like a PZO electric transducer, and it saves on the space and everything. But yeah, I'm always amazed at the sound quality they get out of those things. I'm cranking it up in my house yesterday, and it's feel. I mean, it's not like you know, it's not like boomy because they can do the high sounds much easier than the low sounds, and it's getting better and better and better. And the camera as well. The camera, I, I can't. I got to thank Apple honestly for continuing to push the envelope, push push the limits, push whatever the the standard for this little camera right here and this little microphone and this little speaker because that makes everybody get better. That makes everybody push because if you buy a camera, like a real deal point and shoot camera and it doesn't shoot as good as this, you're going to be like, what the heck do I need a camera for? Uh, we've talked about different kinds of speakers. There are also different kinds of microphones. Like some microphones are good for recording human voices and some are good for recording violins and then that kind of stuff. So what how does how does the sound of a like a person's voice how does that get recorded in the best possible way? Yeah. So what's crazy is like the microphones that we're using right here are a dynamic type microphone which means they don't require any type of power. So um there's actually just a little um a diaphragm in there that's moving when you speak and that transmits electricity down through the cable into the preamp and you record your sound that way. You've also got the condenser microphones that take phantom power um, and those are usually a little bit higher end, more expensive, better sounding, you know, depending on what you're using it for. And most of those are going to be large diaphragm, like a bigger hearing he eardrum basically. Like uh, this little microphone has like a little eardrum in it. Typically, like if you'll see one, somebody singing in the studio on a music video, you know, they've got their big microphone. It's probably big because it has tubes in it. So it's like warming up their voice a lot. 
and um, it looks really cool. And you know, you got to have a cool looking mic for your music video. You got to, uh, you got to. Um, when I can afford one, I'll get better mics for this show. Uh, yeah, these are just like my SM57s, whatever they are, you know, like this is your standard. If you're going to buy a microphone and play in bars and throw it around and you're going to record voices with it and maybe record some guitar with it and maybe record whatever, do you have a hundred bucks that you want to spend on a microphone? That'll work. That'll do the job. Right now, I've got an extra, I've got like what looks like pantyhose that we're talking through. It's like a, a ring that has like a pantyhose stretched across it almost and then in addition to that i've got a little um blue blue foam thing on here mm. and the reason i did that is because when you talk you actually put out a whole lot of air and you don't realize it i especially do i don't know what what, what my deal is but what i'm talking about is put your hand close to your face people that are listening you're gonna feel a lot of air and that's what when you talk in a in, straight into your into your phone when you're talking straight into your phone and it sounds really bad that's because you're the wind from your mouth is just blowing over that microphone keeping it from being able to record good audio and that's why you see like on these movie sets and, and a lot of times with higher quality news casts when somebody's holding a microphone in somebody's face it looks like it's covered in fur and stuff like that that's just for wind that's not because uh, that's not because audio engineers think it looks cool to have like a fuzzy thing in their hands it they're doing that to get wind out of there to, but allow sound in but um audio quality is just huge man as a person that watches tons of youtube videos most of the time i can tell that someone isn't quite as good at what at, at making videos by the quality of their audio mm -hmm. like a lot of people they they can nail the visuals mm -hmm. you know or even just buy stock footage for whatever video they're making but if once their audio cut kicks in and it's like hello welcome to my video it just like <laughs> sounds really bad you're like okay this person doesn't know what they're doing so people if you're if you're looking for because i spent a lot of time trying to trying to get better at video production so if you're looking for tips in that area if it doesn't look great and it doesn't sound great both of those things are so important go to the next video watch 10 seconds of it if it doesn't look great if it doesn't sound great find someone else to talk about whatever subject you're looking for because that person doesn't know what they're talking about yeah, that's well, like the chris adler show like the chris I mean, adler show yeah. dude the audio on my first podcast is such garbage that's why i'm meeting with you right now <laughs> i've got audio like my voiceovers came from like camera mics and then like a good mic and then my phone and just like all kinds of different places because i was just like oh my gosh i forgot to do that i'm just at home right now so here i am learning how to do jujitsu this is cool this sounds the same i promise no different stuff sounds different and it's so important if you really want a true true polished product to to get the best out of uh your microphone using a great microphone, you know, and it's easy to, it's easy to screw up. Even if you have a great microphone, mm -hmm. you can screw up by not blocking this, blocking the wind, you know, and like mm -hmm. even nice, big, di large diaphragm microphones, you can screw it up. Mm -hmm. So just like any camera, if you, if you don't know what you're doing with the camera, it's going to be, it's going to be crappy too. Yeah. It's going to be and a crappy product. And along those lines, if you can't afford you a nice little pop filter, which are, they're cheap, but if you know, you don't have that available, you can always try a high pass filter. And uh, high pass filters are my personal best friend. I love them. I use them all the time. Nice. And uh, it just, what they do basically is cut the low frequencies and you can select, you know, maybe at 100 hertz, 120, and it just cuts all the lows out. So you're, you can kind of remove some of those loud little pops in there and stuff. 
The one of the main major things that has helped me improve my audio was learning how to take a noise print. Um, and, and that's used a good bit in movies where they'll just sit in a room and just record the room because whether, mm. whether we're thinking about it or not, this room is making sound. Yeah. There is, there's electronic equipment in here. There is air conditioners going, air conditioners will kill you on sound and you won't even know it till you sit down and it's just like <laughs> throughout your whole video. You're like, Oh, this sounds like garbage. Uh, air conditioners will absolutely kill you. In fact, in, on most TV shows that you're watching, they kill the air conditioner. Like they're, we're about to start. All right, kill the AC. Like mm -hmm. they do that every take, um, and and so rooms make noise. Every, and every room, because of its different height and shape and stuff in it and stuff that's going on in it, they're gonna. T uh, in order to do a noise print, to get the noise of the room, they'll sit and just hold a microphone in the room for like a minute, just in silence what we would call silence, you know? Mm -hmm. And the, what they're going to do is take the noise of the room and then use that and cut that out of what they just recorded that has all the audio and the talking and things like that so that hopefully you take the noise of the room out and then you're left with just the pure acoustics of the person's voice and lips and vocal cords and mouth and all that kind of stuff and their heart you know, or, or, you know, their chest, yeah. almost like your, your chest is an echo chamber or whatever you want to call it, like whether you, you, you know it or not. And speaking of echo chambers, that's why we sound, we all sound different because what we're hearing is the echo of our voice within our brain and skull versus yeah. what other people hear all the time is not that it's what's out in the room. So mm -hmm. whatever you sound like, that's why you sound so weird on a voicemail. And that's why, you, well, that's why we all sound weird on recording voices. Yeah. Cause it's just, it's just different. You're just listening to it from a different place. You know, it's like looking at a painting from a hundred feet away or staring right at it. You know, <laughs> if you're staring right at it, it's going to look a lot different. So, and you know, that made me think about, uh, just thinking about room noise is that, you know, there's this thing called an anechoic chamber, which is basically a completely dead and silent room. You know, they do acoustical testing and stuff in there and there's no noise. And they say that like the longest that you can stay in there is about 15 minutes before you literally go crazy. Just not, you can hear your blood flowing, your heart beating. And uh, I still haven't been in one, but it's uh, be pretty interesting. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird how like sensory, we get used to all the war, all the noise, you know. We get used to we get used to it all. We tune it out, and that's why you see, um, you know, a lot of times that are people people that are in like the autism spectrum, they have such a hard time mm. because like to us, the air conditioner that's going on right now isn't loud. It's not bothering me, but there are a lot of people whose just brains just don't work in the way that ours do. And when it comes to filtering that stuff out, and they're just like. How could how could you if there was a dog barking you know right here during our conversation you'd have a really hard time talking to me. Yeah. Have you heard of those sensory deprivation tanks by the way? Yeah. Have you, have you ever done that I or anything like that? that. Mm -mm. Yeah, I haven't either, man. I've I've heard they're great um, for just you know relaxing you and letting your brain do some thinking right. or whatever. Yeah. The um, and you mentioned brave brain waves and and how um, you know subwoofers could potentially negatively impact us. Um, the positive effects of music are 100% tangible. Mm. Um, not, not only just it, music in, in, can convey an emotion and it can convey feeling in a way that nothing else can. Just like a, a string section 
can play two notes and you're like, I feel that. You mm. know what I'm saying? That, And even if you don't know anything about music, you're still going to get a feeling from it. You might know not know why. You might know not know because that's because they went from a major to a minor and that, that made me feel kind of spooky or, or emotional or whatever. You might not know why, but it's still going to it's still going to get you, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm not not saying I'm like overwhelmed and overcome with emotion because of it. I still feel it and and, and I couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. Music is crazy. But the positive effects on my brain that classical music has is tangible and I can feel it and it is like a chemical release. Like if I go maybe, you know, three or four days without listening to music, because sometimes I do, like I get busy, uh, I'm working, I'm listening to my own garbage, I'm editing stuff at work or uh, and then I get in the car and I'm listening to news or whatever, sports, whatever. I haven't gotten my music time. And three or four days will go by and sometimes it'll go, it'll be longer. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? Why do I feel weird and bad and like antsy? And like my brain just isn't firing the way that it should. And I'll sit down and I'll put put on some classical music and that's it. I don't have, I'm not, you know, watching TV. I'm not doing anything else. I just, I just run that through my brain. Mm. And it's like, I go from, and it's back to it. And, and it's like the engine was cranking too high and running that music through it brought brought it back down it's just it's just real man it's just it's just a real thing it's like every once in a while i I get to the point where i'm like man i gotta go sit i gotta go sit in a quiet room with some headphones on and listen to honestly it might even be a minute and a half it might be 90 seconds of classical music but i can pop that in my ears and and literally feel different and feel Mm -hmm. better and like if you're not exposing yourself to instrumental music I i i feel like that that's a big part of it too um, you really should. If, if, if you're having a hard time, you're stressed out, you don't feel great, um, put on some classical music and just close your eyes and think and or or try not to think. Mm-hmm. And you'll feel a lot better afterwards. Yeah. Let's talk about BPM and what that means. And then we can talk about click a little bit too. Sure. So So BPM is beats per minute. And what's kind of the range that people generally speak in terms of BPM? Mm-hmm. Probably say like 60 to, you know, 130-ish, something like that. And that is literally, if you don't know how music works, most of the time, most music you can break down into groups of four. So like a lot of times I'll use the song, We Will Rock You by Queen. Do, do, clack, do, do, clack. We will, so think about that, do, clack, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. So most of the time you can do that. So like a verse, a lot of times you count to count to four, eight times, that's the end of the verse, and now we're going into the chorus, and uh, it, it follows this framework. you got dance music is going to be at like 127 BPM. So much dance music is at 127. It's the, weird, it's the weirdest thing ever, but like, so wake me up when it's all over. So that, that's your beat right there. That's your BPM, and that's going to be a high BPM for dance music. It's going to be a slower BPM for like uh, Etta James. At last two, three. So that's your beat. That's your BPM, folks. And if you're the person that's clapping when no one else is clapping, do some more research about BPM and things like that so that you're not clapping on the one and and the three instead of the two and four. One, two, three, 
four. If you have to count, it's okay. Do you remember that Dave Chappelle bit where he had that thing that could read people's minds and so he goes out on the dance floor and like there's a bunch of people and they're cool and they're dancing and then they get to the white guy and on the dance floor he's going and one and two and three and four. The white guy is, is so good. Generally speaking, it's good to, if, unless you're doing it on purpose, it's generally speaking, it's good to not radically change that BPM throughout a song when you're performing it live for an audience because that, unless you're doing it on purpose, which I know, how do you feel about the saying, click has no soul? Um, I believe that that has a little bit of truth to it. But uh, it's mainly being like dead on the click that where it has no soul. But as long as you're got a little groove built in there, you know. And I think it was uh, was it James Brown? It says whatever you do, just land on the one. That's right. That's right. So fill out everything else. You know, do what you want on you know two, three, and four. <laughs> yeah. But once it comes back to one. To what are we doing? Bam, back on the one. Yeah, that's great stuff, man. Yeah. I mean, click is is in every church that has any kind of level of production. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see that? I see that continuing yeah. for as long as because it kind of just sharpens everybody up. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a few people who, you, you know, you can tell that they've like locked into the click and they're they can be on the beat and you know really solid. There's a couple people who may have not played as much, practiced as much, and they may be a little bit off the click, a little bit behind the beat, and it feels like your um, the whole song is dragging if the drummer is like playing behind the beat. Definitely helps to have someone that's just like in that solid groove. You know, they may not too fast, not too slow, but just kind of right in the pocket, you know? Yeah, um, a lot of times I've, I view pocket as like you're in the back pocket. So like you're still... We're all, you know, wearing the same pair of pants, but the drummer's on the back pocket, meaning like, and this is probably not what it really means when you say, when you say pocket, but like you're kind of like right behind the beat, like you're on the beat, but you're just right on the tail end of it. If the beat was like the width of my finger, you've got the front of the beat, you got the very middle of the beat, and you got, but you're still on the beat, you got the end of the beat. I feel like when you're when you're pocket drumming, you're hitting the very last possible moment in time you can but still be on the beat and it keeps people from rushing and it keeps you know it keeps people from going too fast and getting out of control and it just kind of is that nice tail end reminder to every beat like this is how fast this should be Mm -hmm. so let's kind of hang out here and you can't really get that from like a synthesizer or computer that's just right on the beat every time it's got to be more of like a human kind of feel groove Drum machines. That's uh, that might be the saying that I'm mixing up a little bit. It's not click has no soul. It's drum machines have no soul. Mm. But that we can definitely agree on. Drum machines have no soul. Yeah. But there have been a, a lot of good songs recorded that, with that's true. drum and machines. People have made a lot of money. People made a lot of money. <laughs> that is for sure. <laughs> Music is such a trendy business, man. Mm. Like one person gets some success with whatever you know and then the next thing you know for the next year like listen to the sound of the bass in Iggy Azalea's I'm so fancy or whatever that sound for the next year every song like had some of that in it you know and now uh, how about uh, T-Pain with the, the autotune <laughs> there you go that took over for like six years yeah. the copycat syndrome is 
like you you working for sound in a church, you're like in one of the few places that can be authentic. Hmm. And I know that that churches have to do things that people want. You know, churches have to get get people here. You know, hmm. like um, that that's part of it. Yeah, like the, obviously the goal is ministering to them and and showing them the love of Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, obviously that's that's the goal, but that's not going to happen unless you get them here. And yeah. if they hate what you do here, they're not going to come. Yeah. And if if free coffee brings some people to the Lord, cool. Great. <laughs> Jesus gave away a lot of free stuff to get people to listen to his sermons. Fish sticks. There you go. I mean... you fish and bread and come <laughs> on. But yeah, man, it, it, I, I had to get out of, and I know this is not really the music industry, but I was DJing weddings for a long time, uh, about f- maybe four years. And I just got to the point where I was like, I don't even like music anymore. I'm having to mm. buy all this terrible music. I've, I spent probably, I've probably spent 2000 bucks on songs because I had to buy them and have an actual copy of it in order to get it into my DJ mixing software. I had to have the file itself, you know, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. And I've got so much garbage, man, on mm. my laptop. And part of that was like, people would request songs and I'd be like, that's kind of a PG-13 song and I want I want to go PG at this wedding, mm. that kind of thing. And keeping up was annoying. I'd get in my car and I'd be like, I guess I better turn on, you know, the rap station. <laughs> There's definitely some clutch songs that every wedding they always request. You know, it's usually like some dance numbers, wobble, you know, stuff like that. Dude, it's, though, I, I I feel very uncomfortable. Have you listened to the words of the wobble? <laughs> I mean, it's, like, I'd be doing like a kid's party. Right. And they'd be like, hey, will you play the wobble? I'm like, get, the chorus is get in there. Yeah. It's like the groans and the grunts just make me unbelievably uncomfortable. I did. I played the wobble like a million times, obviously. And then I just got to the point where I was just like, what about what about like something L? What about uh, Cupid Shuffle? Here we go. Yeah, you know, and let's then, do Shout instead. And then like I think something like Good Girls at a wedding. You know, like which one? Which one is that? Um, make the good girl. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know you want it. Right, 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 right. right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what rhymes with hug me? Come on, <laughs> there are kids here. What are we doing, people? Yeah, so I would always go like old school, like shout, you know. The DJ thing was so tough because I got sick of having to be the person that brought the party. Mm. When you're the videographer, you kind of just document the party. Right. Yeah. And if it and if the party is crappy, then it's kind of not your you know it's not right. your fault. Yeah. You kind of felt like it was your fault. And I'm like, mm. y'all, I played these these same 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 songs at a wedding last weekend, and it was lit. <laughs> and you guys, y'all, I think y'all are just boring people. I'm sorry, maybe not, but yeah, I got to the point where I was like, man, I, why did I start this business? This is not what I want to do with my life. I literally have <laughs> sunk ten grand and countless hours into this. What am I doing? Real quick, when it comes to starting a career or business, when I started DJing weddings, my plan was actually just to buy $5,000 worth of DJ equipment so that I could make extra money DJing to buy my first professional camera. What actually ended up happening is the DJ business delayed me even more in reaching that goal of having a good professional camera. Now, I did make some quick, easy money. I could easily make over a thousand bucks in one day, which is really good for me, especially considering my SAT math scores. And I went on some incredible trips. I paid bills. I bought a motorcycle with that DJ money. But the money I was making wasn't worth the time it was taking. 
And I'm not saying my time is valuable. I'm saying time is valuable. Money spends and it's gone. And if I really need more money, I can make more money. But if I waste time, it's gone forever. So there's a cautionary tale for you about personal and career goals and time and money. Okay, back to the podcast. Let's say you've got a, a guy on guitar who sings and you got a guy playing bass and you got a drummer. So you got a three-piece, real simple. What would be a good example of that? Uh, a good band example of that. Maybe Gary Clark Jr. He probably has way more people backing him up, but mm-hmm. like, all right, let's make it a four-piece. So you got Gary Clark Jr. He's on guitar and he's singing, ripping. He's going to destroy it. Uh, and then you've got a guy on bass guitar. Victor Wooten. You got Victor Wooten on bass guitar. Okay. <laughs> and then on keys, you do have an organist or a keyboardist, and you've got the best keyboardist ever, Yanni. Mm-hmm. You know, we can all agree <laughs> you've got Yanni. And then on drums, you've got Neil uh, Pert or Carter Beaufort. Or me. Either me Chris or Adler. Neil Pert. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Or Carter Beaufort, dude. Yeah. yeah. Carter Beaufort, he was one of the guys that really made me say, all right. He's doing something different here. Right. I need to see what I need to learn what this guy's doing. <laughs> what are you going to do? How are you going to make that sound good? And let's say, let's go a room like this, like a room that's about as big as a, as a high school gymnasium. Yeah. What are you going to do? <clears throat> so the first thing I think about is the the volume, and a lot of times, like especially the room, depending on the room, louder is not always better, and um, that's kind of one of the big marks to me of a good engineer is like having a really good mix, but at a level that's not going to like melt your face off, you know, or like give or you a heart attack. Ears. Yeah. Or hurt yeah. your ears. Exactly. Yeah. And I think a lot of people try to compensate and just pump up the volume as loud as it'll go. But, um, so the sweet spot in a room like this is really around like, you know, 90 to 95 kind of tops. And you're not just guessing you have a, yeah, whatever mm. that's called, volume. Yeah. I'm gonna call it a voluminator. That's not right. <laughs> that's incorrect. Uh, technical term is a SPL meter, okay. sound pressure level meter. Okay. And then if you to look at a, a, a spectrum analyzer, you know, or a RTA real time analyzer, you can sometimes your ears place tricks on you. So it's kind of just a good reference to look at and see. Hey, am I doing? everything right you know are my ears fatigued are they tired or anything like that and you can look at the frequency bands and see if an area is peaking up a lot louder than some of the other areas you might say oh i need to cut that or i might need to boost this a little bit so like your lows are going to be higher and then your mids are going to be more um you know kind of in the middle and then your highs are going to be a little lower than that because they and just the cut volume. through. Yeah. And, and people would, hear them. Yeah, and it would pierce your ears. Okay. Yeah, really bad. Yeah, I, I've been in a few been in a few shows before here and there where it's just like, it's just cutting through. And I'm just like, what are they doing? I'm looking for like cocktail napkins and stuff in my ears. In fact, at I went to a metal show at the Masquerade one time in Atlanta. And the final act, because metal metal shows are a weird thing. They like purposefully give the opening band's crappy mixes so that as the night goes it feels like it builds and like even if the beginning bands are maybe a little bit better the night feels like it's built mm, you know it's it's yeah. bigger and, and bigger and bigger and bigger as we go and that was the that was the loudest highs i've ever heard ever in my life in the opener 
Uh, no, for the for the final act. Oh, okay. Yeah, they yeah. kept they kept boosting the volume, man. And it, uh, I got to say, it was probably one thirty or something, one forty decibels wow. in that room. I was like, this, but definitely the loudest it's ever I've ever heard it. Yeah. And I had to go get some cocktail napkins and stuff them in my ears just so I could hang out. Yeah. But I made the mistake of making the first little ball too small. See, I put that in my ear, and I was like, oh gosh, that went really deep. <sighs> And after the show, I'm like asking my wife, I'm like, can you get this out for me, please? It hurts so bad. She's like, use, I'm like, use a key, use anything. She's digging out of my ear and she's like, I think I got it. I think I got it. I'm like, okay, that's, yeah, all right, that's fine. A year goes by. I'm at the doctor. I'm sick. I've been getting like sinus infections, all kinds of problems for like a year, like even more so. I broke my nose. So like I get sinus infections all the time as it is, but like, things were bad i was like what's going on the doctor looks in my ear and he's like what in the world and he starts pulling stuff out dude and he's like what is in your ear i'm like i don't know and then i remembered a year ago i put a napkin in my ear i had paper in my ear for a year oh wow so don't do that yeah you're you're my first friend to have on this show and you know a ton about sound and I knew I'd have a great time with you and sound is so important in so many ways for so many things uh so that's why I asked you to be on it man so I really appreciate you doing it thank you um so this has been fun for me sorry I've talked so much I've just been like oh yeah this is what I know listen to me talk about sound Bert (laughs) gosh terrible I am the worst interviewer ever every single time I sit down and start chopping up my stuff and I'm just like dude you talked the whole time you were supposed to interview them so uh, apologies to to uh, you Bert and apologize apologies to everyone I'll get better I hope I hope I'll get better we'll see what is feedback yeah so that, that's a great question Chris I'm glad you asked that would be anytime you hear, um, you know, somebody talking to a mic or, you know, you hear someone talking to a bullhorn pretty much and it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. and what is causing that? <clears throat> Basically a feedback loop. So the audio that's going out of the speaker is coming back into the speaker and creating a feedback loop and it's just building on those frequencies. So when you are talking on stage and it starts to do that and you point it away from yourself and you point it down at the monitor, people, you're just making it worse. That's, That's what yeah. you're doing. Yeah, it's you're feeding a speaker into a microphone. Yes. So there mm-hmm. you go. Yeah. And another thing I can say, if any bands are watching and you are on stage and you ha- at a festival and you're talking to your monitor guy... Um, well, that's the first mistake. Don't talk to your monitor guy. Give hand signals. If you're playing, you need something, you know, it's pretty easy to point at your mouth and go up or down. <laughs> it's easy so to make a guitar strum and go up or down. Yep, yep. But, you know, we can't read your lips when you're talking and it's loud, you know. Yeah, man. Just a little side note there. That's so true, dude. That's so funny. But, uh, yeah, so, and then definitely to help with feedback, I usually... Um, do high pass filters starting around 132, you know, maybe a little higher for a female voice. Mm. Um, and then just go from there, you know. Um, if you have more than one mic, you might start cutting the higher frequencies and um, just make some space in your mix for the vocals to come through. So you can't have every instrument sounding at it 100% of its potential. You know, you've got a, you may have to cut uh, around 
um, 2K on the guitars or the drums to let the vocals really shine through. It's just kind of carving space for the vocals to come through. And same for like your kick has your kick drum that has to have its own space mm -hmm. and its own characteristic and yeah. its own volume and its own space. And the snare that's got to cut through and have its right. own space. Mm -hmm. And really, I guess as one of the like the, the the final note here is I would say start practicing, start going to shows, or even just listening to music with your headphones on, and start listen trying start trying to listen to just the whatever while you're listening to the song while you're at a show try to listen to just the bassist and just the bass guitar you know and if you can pick that out and it sounds good move on to the next thing and train your ear because you can get good at this like and it's a big deal like it, what audio sounds like wherever you choose to do and whatever you, you know whatever you choose to do choose to listen to good music choose to listen to, to well-produced music and uh bert i appreciate you showing us and telling us a small part of how that is a possibility thank you i've been very blessed with a lot of opportunities um but like this is probably one of the uh one of the better ones you know it's more it's definitely satisfying and fulfilling to help you know change lives so it's an honor that's awesome, man. And just for uh, just for old times' sake, I've uh, I've actually worn the sound guy's uniform for this podcast, and that is all black. <laughs> <laughs> Look, check it out. I'm a sound guy. That is. I'm, I'm a sure roadie. So. I'm a roadie. Black jeans, <laughs> black shirt, black shoes. Who's hiring? <laughs> Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Adler.tv show. This week's featured organization is the Alabama Institute for the Deaf and Blind. They provide comprehensive education and service programs to children and adults who are deaf, blind, and multi-disabled. The Alabama Institute for the Deaf and Blind works to transform the lives of people beyond expectations by refusing to let adversity limit any individual's potential. So for more info, you can go to AIDB.org. That's AIDB.org. Next week on the show, the guest will be Tim Digman. He's a Green Beret, and he's now one of the owners of two rock climbing gyms here in Birmingham, First Avenue Rocks and Birmingham Boulders. Tim also builds custom electric skateboards that can go over 30 miles per hour and have a range of 30 miles. I repeat, my next guest builds electric motor-propelled skateboards that can carry a human over 30 miles per hour for 30 miles without stopping. I'm excited. Thank you so much for watching and listening, and please subscribe and please do comment. I love the feedback and seeing what you guys liked and what you didn't like. If you find value in this podcast, please do tell your friends about it. New episodes go live every Thursday, and for links and everything you might need, go to Adler.tv. See you next week. What made you choose music? Yeah, well, it was that or drug dealing, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you chose full sale. Yeah. <laughs>